This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And the Oscar goes and to. And the Oscar goes to. And the Oscar to. goes to. Gentlemen, my only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Could have been a contender. Fasten yourself. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer. Oh, real man. Love is, is Love. too weak a word. Stay back. I love you. I did as instructed. If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV. Respect it and validate it. Remember that you told me. Welcome to the Next Best Picture Podcast. And the Oscar goes to Nomadland. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 252 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. I am your host Matt Negley at time of recording 11.20am on July 18th, 2021. Here to join me today for this second part of our 2021 Cannes Film Festival recap, I have Emma Sasek. Hello everyone. Dan Baer. Good morning. Josh Parham. Hello, hello. And Cody Derricks. Bonjour. (laughs) (laughs) As I mentioned before, the 2021 Cannes Film Festival is in the books. It is over and done with after yesterday's awards presentation, which we'll definitely get into here in a little bit because boy, oh boy, was that a tremendous amount of fun. (laughs) We're also going to have film critic Raphael Motemoyer call in in a little bit to discuss his experience at the festival this year. But before we get to all of this, I want to first ask everyone what they've been watching this week. So we'll start off first with Emma. Well, I was away last week for a few days, so I missed a lot of uh, blockbusters that came out. So I finally went and saw Black Widow yesterday and really, really enjoyed it. Florence Pugh absolutely lives up to all of the praise she's getting in this film. Um, Now I want her to kick my butt and kick everybody else's butt in the Marvel Universe. Mm -hmm. Um, So we will see what happens with that. Um, And then I went and saw Roadrunner, the film about Anthony Bourdain and his life and the beautiful highs and dark lows that that man went through. And um, I also really enjoyed that. I've I've always loved watching his uh, shows, No no Reservations. Um, And so it was really interesting to kind of see the beginnings of what ultimately led to that show. And, um, you know, there was the the controversy with the email and um, the AI reading that the other day that came out. Um, I also thought that it was kind of strange the way um, the Asia Argento 
bits were portrayed in this film. I don't know if oh, yeah. any of you guys got to see that, but that just kind of left me with like a really, really weird feeling. Um, so aside from, you know, that bit, uh, I still, I still enjoyed this documentary and thought it was a really insightful look into, into who Anthony Bourdain was and just a truly great legacy that he left behind. And I know he definitely inspired me to try to travel and try and see as much of the world as I can. And hopefully I get to do that in my future. Nice. Very nice. All right. Let's hear next from Cody Derricks. So I've been watching a lot of seemingly random movies for various podcasts I'll be on and articles I'm working on. So I haven't had a time to really catch up on new releases recently, but I did finally make my grand return to the multiplex for the first time since The Invisible Man, which was, I think, 16 months ago, which is insane. And uh, unfortunately, it was to see F9, which um, (laughs) I... (laughs) Yeah... F9, not feeling fine. And I, I'm I, I, I'm a fan of the Fast and Furious series, so I'm always excited to see what, you know, new kookiness they have in store for us. And this one, I think, unfortunately, was a little bit underwhelming for me. You know, it wasn't even quite fun in a perverse way. <laughs> it kind family. of just left me feeling like, oh, yes, lots of family. But um. <laughs> I think I'd skip the next family reunion if it were me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see what the franchise does next, but I don't know. This one wasn't for me. No, I, I completely agree. I feel I feel like with the last two movies, which are breaking up into part one and part two, I feel that they really need to go out on a high note because if they keep doing the same formula that they're doing after this one, I just I'm not interested at that point anymore. All right. Let's hear next from Dan Baer. I have been watching a lot this week. Um, (laughs) Yes, you have. Zoom through it (laughs) really fast. Um, I finally caught up with the Mitchells versus the Machines, which was um, a wacky delight. I need my AI assistant to be voiced by Olivia Coleman, please and thank you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I also. Saw Gunpowder Milkshake on Netflix, which, like, if you haven't watched it yet, please, please, please do. Um, This cast is the most amazing, and they are such badasses, and the movie has a fantastic, really fun sense of style to it that I wish more action movies had. Really, really enjoyable. Uh, not so enjoyable was Die in a Gunfight, the um, Romeo and Juliet update with Alexandra D'Addario and Diego Bonetta, which actually started off a lot better than I was expecting before falling completely off a cliff after the setup. It was almost as if the writers had a really great setup and they pitched it and they got the money to make a movie and find a great director and a cast and then didn't realize, oh shit, we have to write a whole movie now. <laughs> And it didn't, the end was just really unbelievably bad. Then I went back to a theater to see Escape Room Tournament of Champions, which was (laughs) improbably pretty fun. I watched the first Escape Room last week to prep for this one, and that one was also a lot better crafted than I was expecting. And this one kept up that level of quality 
reasonably well. I was I was very impressed. It's a little louder. It's a little bigger. But the I mean, and the characters are just <laughs> non-existent. But you don't go to a movie like this for the characters. You go for the design of the escape rooms. And holy crap, did this movie deliver on that front. Um, it's, you know, it's junk food. It's the cinematic equivalent of junk food. But you need junk food every once in a while. And this is really, really tasty junk food. Um, on the other side of the food spectrum, I also saw the Nicolas Cage film Pig. Oh man! Like, <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure what I was expecting from it since I had already heard the everyone like it's not the movie you expect when you hear what it's about and who stars in it line. But even then, I, I was not expecting what this movie gave me. So much better than I was expecting so much different in tone than what I was expecting. Um, it's easily Nicholas Cage's best performance since at least adaptation and just really surprising in a lot of ways. I highly recommend it. If there's any justice this year, he will be up for in the conversation for the best actor prizes at the end of the year. Uh, also rewatched or watched for the first time, depending on how you're looking at it. Uh, Joe Bell which it was supposedly recut from uh, when it premiered at the Toronto Film Festival last year under the title Good Joe Bell. But for the life of me, I could not tell you in what ways it was different uh, than the original cut was in my memory. It's I still cried like a baby at the end. And I know that that is not the reaction that most people have been having to this movie, but... I don't know. It it gets me on an emotional level in a way that I was not expecting the first time and still wasn't expecting this time. Mark Wahlberg is great. The, the movie has some issues. It, it's a little unfocused. It's trying to do too much, but it it still made me cry. So, you know, sake with that what you will. And then yesterday, <laughs> I got together with one Mr. Matthew Neglia and we had a little film festival of our own watching two three-hour-plus movies, uh, the first being Celine and Julie Go Boating, which was uh, the first time I had seen it in, like, a decade at least, and it is still just as much fun and just as wild as I remember it being. And God damn, I love that movie a lot. It is really something special. If you haven't seen it, it's now out on Criterion and watch it. And then we watched Barry Lyndon. Yeah. Which I I don't know really why I had avoided it for so long. I mean, I'm not the hugest fan of Stanley Kubrick, but this one had some sort of weird reputation for me that it was turned out to be like completely not true. Um, it is actually surprisingly funny. Um, the satire, the social satire hits really, really hard. I cannot abide Ryan O'Neill in this movie <laughs> at all. I mean, his body is very nice, but and his face is very nice. I mean, those blue eyes can, you know, stare right through me and stare right through you. They do. Um, but his, I get it. I get the casting. I get why on some level it works for this character. But the performance itself is so bad 
that I I can't I I can't endorse it. But God damn it, this is one of the most beautiful movies ever crafted. The cinematography, I, Matt will tell you the number of times that I just was sitting there and going, like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> this movie looks amazing. <laughs> the production design, the costumes, all ridiculously top of the line. I love the score. As with all Stanley Kubrick films, it is impeccably crafted. It surprised me by how funny it was, but even still, I felt it dragged in the second half. But really good movie, and I'm really glad I saw it. All right, and Josh Parham. Yeah, so this has also been a pretty big week for me in terms of catching up with new stuff. Uh, a lot of the movies, Dan, you already mentioned, so that'll be easy for me. Um, I'll first off say that I did see the new Space Jam. We have a podcast review of it. Uh, not not a very good movie. I would not recommend it really at all. I think it was pretty uh, bland and lazy and unfunny. So wouldn't say that you should see that one. Uh, I did also see Escape Room and really liked it. I thought that it was actually a significant improvement from the first movie. And yeah, I agree with you, Dan. When it's about the characters, this movie has absolutely no interest in that at all. It does the absolute bare minimum. But when you get to the set pieces, they are very fun and very entertaining. And that is the focus of the movie. Those are the priorities. So I had a lot of fun with it. I I would recommend that one. Uh, I also saw Pig. Which I liked, too. I don't know if I got caught up in, like, an enthusiastic response like other people have, but it definitely is a movie that plays things a lot more somber than you would be expecting. And for that focus on the characters, I found it to be a lot more engaging and surprising than initially expected. So, and yeah, great Nicolas Cage performance. Would definitely recommend it for that. Also saw Gunpowder Milkshake. Very fun movie. I agree. I think it loses a little steam in the last half hour, if I'm going to be honest with you. I think that the entire plot mechanic is – I think that it doesn't really – it's not that engaging to me it, just in the initial setup. And then by the time you get to the last like half hour of the movie, I kind of felt like it gave up just a little bit on that front. But it's still very entertaining. It's, it's still a really, really fun movie with a lot of good action set pieces. So – would definitely recommend people checking that one out. And the last thing I caught up with was the final Fear Street movie that is on Netflix. And I didn't really like the first Fear Street, but I thought that the second one was an improvement. And this last one, I thought, actually wrapped things up kind of nicely and even made the first one seem a little better in retrospective. So I don't think it's quite as fun as the second one is, but... I did like the way that it wrapped things up with this story. And overall, it was like a nice, fun kind of trilogy to to watch. I don't think it's amazing, but it was entertaining for the moment. All right. And then for myself, uh, piggybacking off of what Dan Baer was saying earlier, uh, we decided to do this fun thing where uh, I show him a movie he's never seen. He shows me a movie I've never seen. And for all I know, this could become a spinoff uh, series at some point. Um <laughs> But yeah, I watched Selena and Julie go boating for the first time, and my mind is still recovering from the melting that occurred (laughs) while watching it. I was drifting, admittedly, in and out a little bit in the second act of the movie. Oh, no, like towards the end of the first act, because the first act really does drag, in my opinion, for a very long time. I was having a hard time, like, getting 
really engaged with the characters and what was like going on with the movie. Uh, thank God Dan was there to watch it with me. Um, <laughs> but then the second act thing started to get a little bit more interesting. I started to kind of have more WTF moments as it was going, but more just moments of intrigue. And then by the time we get to the third act, I was like so fully sucked in, so fully enveloped in it all. And then the ending happened and it, it just smacked me across the face. Um, I was energized. I was more awake than ever. And my mind was just going in a million different directions about what this movie was ultimately trying to say in terms of how we dissect watching and escaping in other people's stories. It, it was really highly unique. And I'm surprised that it doesn't get talked about as often as I feel like a lot of other movies uh, from this era do. But yeah, really, really blown away by this one. Uh, Barry Lyndon, um, you know, I like Barry Lyndon. I'll just leave, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I, I, I like it a lot. And uh, I think I like it more than Dan did. But, you know, it's uh, it's pretty damn great. Space Jam, a new, a new legacy. As I mentioned earlier, our thoughts are on the uh, podcast review. And uh, I saw Stillwater this week, the new Tom McCarthy film with uh, Matt Damon. And at nearly two and a half hours long, I still found it to be a very engaging narrative. It definitely goes in directions that you would not expect. It's like the first part is a thriller. The second part is like this introspective character study. And then the third act is like a melodrama. Uh, so it's constantly evolving, like as you're watching it, which I think for me was uh, the most fun part of it all. Uh, for my money, it's uh, one of Matt Damon's best performances that he's given in quite a while, actually, uh, mostly because of the fact that he's playing a character that is kind of unlikable. And he himself as a person is also kind of unlikable. But then there is this there's this like charm to him that does allow for us to get get closer to this character. And it worked its way over me. I think the I think the patient storytelling and the fact that it is as long as it is uh, actually works to the movie's benefit in that regard. So I'm looking forward to uh, more people checking that one out. I know it didn't get the most uh, enthusiastic reactions out of uh, Cannes Film Festival this week, but I still enjoyed it very much for what it was. And now, speaking of which, moving over to the 2021 Cannes Film Festival, let's talk about that. Hi guys, I'm Dean. And I'm Daniel. And we're from the Movie Journey Podcast. Where we break down every movie from the IMDb Top 250 list, giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way. We're also home of the Pod V Pod, where we battle other podcasters in various movie games and drafts. We also do reviews of new releases, film tournaments, top five lists, and talk about everything else we've watched as well. For you used to be the IMDb Journey podcast, but since then, we've grown and matured with age. Yeah, if you don't believe us, why don't you listen to some more Genuine Testimonies? Oh, hey guys, I uh, I used to like the IMDb Journey podcast, but since then, I've found something even better. It's the Movie Journey podcast! Oi, bro, I know I said the IMDb Journey podcast was a good show, but the Movie Journey podcast is so much better. Absolutely, for sure, yeah. You know, I used to think that nothing could be funnier than IMDb Journey, but I've now found my joy in Movie Journey Podcast. The IMDb Journey Podcast is nothing compared to the Movie Journey Podcast. Absolutely love this podcast. <laughs> oh, amazing oh, testimonies once again. Absolutely legit and real. Of course. And if you still don't believe those testimonies, go ahead and check out the show for yourself by searching for the Movie Journey podcast. You can find us on all your favourite platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Podbean. 
So come along and join our journey. Oh man, what a second week this was. Um, that my favorite movie that I watched this week was Spike Lee announcing the bomb door <laughs> before he was supposed to. That should have won the palm door. <laughs> I, seriously. Can had its uh its own Moonlight La La Land uh, moment. And I know people were comparing it also to last year's Oscars where Best Picture was not <laughs> it was not mentioned last. Uh, but Jesus, man, what a what a fun moment that was. Um, I feel bad for the uh, Tatane uh, team because, you know, obviously you want to be held in suspense uh, and have your big moment at the end there. Uh, and it did kind of get prematurely uh, disrupted for them. But oh, they won the big prize. <laughs> it was still an incredibly fun moment. And um, as mentioned before, uh, Tatane won the Palm Door. And I think that for all of us, if we were not excited before or just even a little bit excited, I think our excitement for this movie has gone skyrocketing through the roof at this point. Yes, Absolutely. Uh, the Grand Prix went to a tie uh, between A Hero by Ashgar Fahardi and Compartment Number 6. Uh, and then the jury prize was another tie between Ahed's Knee by Nadiv Lapid and uh, Memoria, uh, which we'll discuss the trailer for here in just a bit. Uh, it did feel like they were trying to spread the love around amongst uh, quite a few films here by having both of those ties. Yeah, it sounded like they were even trying to get more ties because uh, there was just so much passion for a lot of these movies. Yeah. And yeah, I I can't wait to see all of them. You know, I know that particularly we sort of have our eye on a hero, but they all sound like really interesting movies and I am very much looking forward to. Yep. Best director went to Leos Carax for Annette, which... I think fits the bill and makes sense based on the reactions that we heard to this movie, you know, just in terms of daring, bold, artistic vision, if you will. But at the same time, that movie seems to have a split, divided opinion amongst it. So I'm not surprised it didn't win the palm. But seeing him also kind of get this award, I, I feel like makes up a little bit for uh, Holy Motors not getting its just due, at least. So that's so that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was probably the biggest surprise of the awards if I'm being honest, that he won Best Director, but I'm not going to begrudge it at all because the man the man deserves. Uh, for Best Actress, uh, that went to Renate uh, Rensive for The Worst Person in the World, a film that uh, seemed to get some of the most positive uh, reactions across the board from the festival and is one that I suspect is going to definitely be playing at some of the uh, fall film festivals. Yeah, that award seemed very given based on just general word and yeah i think that is going to be definitely a definitely a hotly anticipated title at upcoming festivals and would not be shocked if it is a uh, an official submission for international feature this year mm -hmm. yeah it might be anecdotal but that film i feel like is the one that i heard the most buzz about maybe because it was the most surprisingly uh well received one but i'm i'm really excited to see it Best actor went to Caleb Landry Jones for Nitram, which I, I did. Anyone here see his speech? Because <laughs> he, I don't know so what was doing. going on with him. He, he was, was shocked beyond belief. He couldn't even get a word out. <laughs> he was like, "I cannot do this." Thanks. Bye. <laughs> I was, um, you know, I was kind of surprised to see that he ultimately went home with the award, especially since Simon Rex, my beloved scary movie three alum um, <laughs> was receiving so so much praise for red rocket um 
So, I mean, it, it still makes me really excited to see both movies, like no doubt about it. Uh, but the speech definitely was a very, very cute moment after, you know, a bit of a uh, rambunctious start with Mr. Spike Lee. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I was also also really rooting for Simon Rex. I mean, yeah. it feels like the kind of fun thing that only could happen at a non, you know, televised sort of festival award show. Yeah. I'll, also, I maybe this is just my bias, but I really can't stand Cable and Jones as an actor, so I was a little bit like, mm, ho-hum. But maybe this will change my mind. Who knows? I, I don't know. Playing a moody mass shooter, uh, I don't know if that's mm. going to convince you, Cody. <laughs> yeah, probably not. I think you're right. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised to hear that because I actually think that he's been turning in some really fine character actor work in a lot of high-profile movies over these last couple of years. And I thought he was criminally underrated in The Outpost last year, too. I just generally find him to be a sort of distracting presence. Like, I think he's the one person in Get Out's ensemble who is not tuned into what the movie's going for. I just, his his brand of acting kind of is my, not my, not, uh, to uh, quote our jury president, not my cup of tea. And then best screenplay went to uh, Razuki Hamaguchi for Drive My Car, which is yet another uh, foreign language film title that I, based on the reactions that I've heard, um, I know I'm going to have to probably set aside three hours at this year's New York Film Festival for this one. So <laughs> looking forward to that. But um, I I expected that this was going to win at least one prize based on the word out of the fest. And uh, yeah, showed up here. That one made me really excited because, as I mentioned last time on the show, Ryosuke Hamaguchi won the Silver Bear at Berlin Hall this year for Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, which was a movie that I really liked. And now here he is winning a second major prize at another major film festival for a completely different movie in the same year, which I don't think that has ever happened. Certainly not recently. But either way, it's really cool. And uh, just in terms of things happening uh, for the first time, I uh, just want to mention that Julia Ducourneau, uh now is the with her Palme d'Or win for Titane. Yes, the piano won in 1993, Jane Campion, but that was also a prize that was shared with another film uh, directed by a male director. So this is the first time that a lone female-directed film has won the Palm, and I think in that regard, there is, uh, you know, definitely something to be celebrated here, and you know, it, you you can chalk it up to whatever you want in terms of, because I, he I heard so many people, like, saying, oh, did the jury, like, deliberately make this choice as a way to send a message or something like that, and it's like, no, I think that based on the reactions that we've heard out of the festival, Titane was probably the most memorable just overall the best film that probably played at the fest just in terms of sheer visceral <laughs> i mean just like i'm telling you the reactions to this thing were gonzo i'm happy to see this as a winner um following up with parasite and just how so many different genres are incorporated in that film and then obviously it ultimately won best picture so i love seeing that these different types of movies are really, really finally getting the recognition they deserve since, you know, how many times have horror movies that really have deserved some praise at award shows not gotten it just because of, you know, the subject or the genre or whatever it may be. So it makes me excited to see whatever this fucked up movie is. Exactly. <laughs> Especially considering Raw and just how... 
uh, life-changing that experience was. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, it was a very, very fun day for the awards. Uh, mostly, like I said, because we started off with that Spike Lee flub, which um, uh, if you guys haven't seen the video of it, oh, it's so good. Just seeing Tahar Rahim like run over and give Spike a hug to let him know everything's okay. Like I felt so bad for Spike, <laughs> but at the same time. God, he 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 was such a fun jury president this year in so many ways. I mean, anyone that was like following the festival and seeing um, him on, you know, the the red carpet steps or even taking some time to watch the England versus Italy soccer match at the finals <laughs> of the Euros. You know, it just seemed like he was having like such a fun time at this year's festival. And I don't know, it helped to kind of give a bit of personality, if you will, to the festival in a way, because like considering he was like sort of the face of everything, you know? And the outfits were on point. Woo! Oh, yeah. Less bike for you. <laughs> uh, my only other question now at this point is, is there anything from the second half of the festival this week that we didn't get a chance to talk about on last week's show uh, that premiered that you guys want to touch upon uh, really quick or anything that really excites you? I know we already mentioned uh, Nitram uh, as one that seems like is a bounce back for Justin Curzel after... Uh, I mean, True History of the Kelly Gang was pretty decent, but I don't feel like enough people saw it. But Assassin's Creed was, oof. <laughs> yeah, his output is a little inconsistent. Um, but I mean, this Best Actor prize for it is pretty significant. Although I have reservations, not necessarily for Caleb Landry Jones, but just of the subject matter. I feel like that is very difficult to get right. And, uh, you know, but I'm very curious about that one for sure. All right, and now we're actually going to have Raphael call in to tell us about his experience at this year's Cannes Film Festival. Let's get him on the line right now. What's up, guys? Gerald from Two Peas on a Podcast here. Are you just sitting there thinking to yourself, man, I really love some dude in his garage sitting around talking about arbitrary countdowns and his favorite things in the world of movies, music, and TV. Well, guess what? That's me. Please look me up. My name is Gerald, and I am from Two Peas on a Podcast. If you want to subscribe to my countdown show, I have a different co-host every week. It's often someone from the world of podcasting or entertainment, and we go through our top five favorite things in whatever that week's category is. You can find links to all of our content, subscribe via your favorite podcast app, and follow us on social media. The easiest thing to do is just head to our website, which is www.2peasonapod.com. I hope you look me up and join the party. It's a lot of fun. See you soon. All right, on the line right now, we have Rafael Motomoyer. Uh, he is currently the weekend news editor for Collider. His bylines include Observer slash Film List, and he's also Rotten Tomatoes approved as well. Raphael, how are you today? Hi, I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, let me, let me just say that we really appreciate all of the coverage that you've been providing for all of us here uh, from Cannes. Uh, tell us, was this your first, second, fourth time attending the festival? What was it like for you, especially like in this COVID environment? Uh, it was my first time, and Honestly, after talking to uh, many people uh, at the festival, both uh, newcomers and veterans, I think this was probably the, the best way to get like a, 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 a first-hand experience of what the festival is like, but without all the insanity and all the all the madness. It, it felt like a full-on festival. There was there were no uh, scene restrictions. No, um, it, it felt like going back to a festival, but 
uh, with significantly less people. So it still felt like, I mean, like I, you could get into uh, any movie without a problem, especially my last film festival before this was uh, 2019 Sundance and there were a bunch of movies that I lined up for over an hour and could not get into. Uh, yeah. While can it was super easy. Yeah, I, I remember that experience of uh, being there with you, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we didn't get in to see uh, Palm Springs, I remember. Yeah, those were uh, those were fun times. Um, but I, I, I've heard a similar thing about how there was a reduced number of people there this year uh, because of the pandemic. And as a result, it did make it easier than normal to get into screenings. So uh, when everything was all said and done, I don't know if you have a final tally here. How many films did you clock in? I actually do have a final tally. It, should be, it was uh, around 25 movies that I saw. Ooh, ooh. Um I, I wish I had seen more. There were so many movies that I missed out on, but I still had a, a, a full-time job to to keep me busy in, in between screenings. So it was uh, a bit hard to, to, to handle, but still, like, it was an insane lineup. Sure. No, totally. I understand. And of those uh, 25 movies that you saw, which one was your favorite? Um, I think the, the, the one is going to I'm going to have an impression for a long time is going to be Titan, the one that ultimately won the Pandora last night. As a big, big fan of uh, Julia Ducournau's first movie, Raw, I had no idea what to expect. The, the trailers, if you have seen any, don't really tell you anything. The plot synopsis is literally just chemical description of, of like titanium. Uh, but the movie is, absolutely, is, is insane. It's, it's, it's sweet. It's funny. It's gruesome. Uh, it's sexy. It's a bit scary at times. It's everything you would want out of a genre movie and it's super surprising to have seen that play in competition at a festival like Cannes especially it being so recognized by everyone who saw it uh, was an incredible thing to see and like the movie is great it's really 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 good yeah that was definitely uh, one of the most exciting buzzed about reactions from people when that screening first ended uh, you could really tell the enthusiasm was there uh, what movie would you say was probably the biggest disappointment? I think I, I don't want to say it wasn't as much a disappointment as it was because I, I wasn't trying to to have so high expectations for every movie that I saw. But I think um, Annette was probably not as great as I thought it would be. I went in um, having seen, of course, the Edgar Wright documentary about Sparks and seeing how long. Um, the, the the band Sparks have been trying to to get a movie off the ground, and to see them finally make that happen, and the movie is good. It 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 has some really good things in it, and the music is amazing. But I thought it had enough flaws that I was a bit disappointed. A bit disappointed compared to uh, the exam I had going in. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Does anyone here have questions for Raphael? I'm curious. You know, aside from seeing so many movies and I'm sure being surrounded by so many people, what were some of the highlights for you at this film festival, especially since it's one of the the bigger ones that we've seen roar back after 15 months of a lot of pain and a lot of isolation? Mm. For sure. I think just the, the sense of community, you know, like that's, we all love to see movies in, in, in theaters. That's why we, we, we go to this thing. But also I think like for me, Probably the biggest reason I go to film festivals is to be surrounded by 
like-minded people who love movies as much as I do, and to see them react in, in, in the movie theaters, we all discover something new. And even with the um, reduced attendance, like I, I didn't really see, I think at most I had like one or two screenings that were completely packed, or rather like all, all of them had like a bunch of seats still available. Uh, but still, you, you you felt that excitement that we all been waiting so many months to be back here together. <laughs> and to the point that like every, every single premiere had, uh, like, the, the only thing, if anything, that, that the directors or the actors said beforehand was that they were happy to be back in a movie theater. And even though, like, after the 15th time, it felt a bit tired <laughs> to hear them say the same thing. <laughs> You, it, it, it rings true, like it is true that it does feel great to be back amongst uh, film festival goers and like movie lovers uh, on the, in the same space. With that said, what was like the uh, COVID protocols like in terms of having to get tested and uh, were the screenings socially mm-hmm. distanced? Because I did see quite a few shots from inside the theaters where uh, that really didn't seem to be enforced. Yeah, no, um, I can't really speak to the testing experience since I'm uh, from Europe, so I didn't have to get tested. Gotcha. Uh, I'm fully vaccinated, and, and, and within the, the, the European Union, you you don't you don't really need anything like that. Mm-hmm. But the first few days, it was a bit of chaos. Uh, like the line to get tested was super long, and the results took forever to 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 come out. But I think like they found with everything else this year, they found a rhythm. Uh, same with the ticketing system, um, it was super chaotic and impossible to get access to the first two days. <laughs> but afterwards, it was a breeze to just wake up and, and, and there were tickets to every movie, no matter, no matter how big or small. As far as um, socially, uh, social distance and, and, and protocol, it was mostly to get inside the theaters. They, they didn't really uh, enforce social distance, I think. Like the, the lines, they, they couldn't really manage that. And I think that was a big flaw that no matter how much they tried to use both the ticketing system, to use the, the, that system to avoid people lining up hours ahead of time, the lines were still packed and the lines were still like really, like a bunch of people really close together. Even if it was outside and not like indoors, it still looked pretty bad. But they did do a, 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 a good job, I thought, of like making sure everyone had masks on all the time. Uh, you could bring a water bottle inside, which I think is a first time in, in, in at least a few years that they allowed that. I didn't feel unsafe at any point, but it was mostly because at least um, because of the testing and, 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 and the vaccine requirement for those who could get it. Yeah. Otherwise, it would have been a different experience. Sure, sure. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And then getting back to the uh, movies, I know I asked you earlier uh, what was considered a uh, disappointment. Was there anything that you saw that was a genuine surprise for you, like a sense of discovery, which is something that I know for all of us is kind of like our drug when we go to a film festival? Yeah, I thought... um... Let me see. I, I thought After Yang was a, a, a really phenomenal movie that I wasn't expecting. Uh, even though, like, the, the director, uh, Kogunaga, I think he's, he's pronounced, uh, he's no stranger to, like, uh, film festival darlings after um, Columbus. But this one, I felt, was completely different in a way that showed to me that he's a director worth keeping an eye out on. Is completely unlike his first movie. Uh, is one of the best sci-fi movies I've seen since probably Ex Machina. Just it absolutely floored me. Yeah, the reactions for that one were through the roof for sure. Anyone else? Any questions for Raphael? Um, yeah, I know everyone really does a film festival differently, but Khan being Khan, I'm wondering if you had. If you had any time to do anything else yes, other I was than watch movies, like, I mean, it's con. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, mostly when I wasn't in line or inside a theater, I was just eating my way through the entire town. It's a thing that I always kind of judge film festivals so on, like how hungry I go in between movies. Because um, from Sundance to, to Dave, they, they, it still takes you... It's not super easy to find affordable and good food in, to, to, to eat in between screenings, but Cannes is so filled with just bakeries, every like three bakeries per corner, I think, or like in each block, and everything is so cheap and delicious. So I didn't really uh, have a problem with that. And like on the contrary, I, 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 I skipped a movie on, I think it was Wednesday, this past week to go to a luncheon that they organize every year. This year it coincided with Bastille Day. And mm. it was a beautiful event. Uh, they, they had uh, people in traditional French uh, attire and like a band that played for some reason Smash Mouth like three times, probably to remind <laughs> us that Shrek premiered at Cannes at one point. <laughs> but yeah, just, and, and, and they have, and I love that they do that, uh, some screenings at the beach just for the public. Yeah. At least this year was open for the public as well. And even if like technically it's not the same as watching like a proper movie theater, it is an experience to see a movie just by the beach uh, in a way cooler weather than the rest of the, of the week because it was really hot uh, at Cannes. And you're seeing the people who just like, uh, st- like walk by and, and stand for a minute, just staring at them movies and, and, and just watching them for a while. That was pretty cool. I saw a little bit of Fast 9 that they also played there. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that, that I, I may have liked that experience better than when I watched it at the movie theater. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> Is there a movie that you feel is not getting its proper due from the festival, a movie that you feel that not enough people are talking about that you were like, oh my God, like why aren't enough people talking about this? This is amazing. Oh yeah, I think not that, because it screened at a, at a pretty 
bad time. I thought he played Thursday at 8.30 a.m., like the, the last day for quite a few critics that canceled. Not that many people saw it. It's a Korean thriller called Emergency Declaration. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a disaster movie on a plane with, uh, just going to say, a really scary and timely plot that I'm not going to talk, I'm not going to say anything more on because it's really hard not to spoil the movie, but it's also the that that moment you realize what's going on is one of the biggest and best surprises I've had all year, probably. And not that many people saw it. Like I, I Googled uh, yesterday and there's like one review online and basically no reactions on Twitter. So I was, I was pretty sad to see uh, the lack of reaction. All right. And then I think we have time for one more question here. Has anybody got anything for Raphael? Um, I know you said you enjoyed the film that ultimately won the Palm, but do you agree with their selection or was there a film that you were rooting for outside of that? I I think I I I agree overall. I I think they did a pretty good job of trying to split the the awards as much as they could uh, to try to give some recognitions to to what I think were the bossiest movies. Uh, I really liked um, the worst person in the world, and even though I wish it got a a bigger nod, seeing he get best actress was still great to see, and I really agree with that. And, and, and Titan, I think, is just uh, such a bold choice that I, 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 I'm really happy with that. Not only, you know, it being the, the only the second time a film director wins, but also it being a genre movie. Something that's still even at, like film festival is still like it, it carries a stigma as being lesser than, and especially at a film festival like Canto. So to see it winning big was uh was was great i'm I'm really surprised but i'm really happy about it yeah i mean i'm sure none of us are as happy as neon are about it but it's it's still a pretty incredible uh feat to say the least uh rafael i want to thank you very very much for the time that you've given us here today and talking about your experience there do you have like any uh, final note that you just want to add to those that are listening right now who have never been to the Cannes Film Festival. Is there anything that you would say to those people that are maybe one day looking to go? Man, it's a bit hard to to, to say because this year felt felt so different than what you would think Cannes is like. But at least based on this year, it is as difficult to navigate, as magical, as cool as you would expect it to be. And yeah, you're like, I mean, you, you, you shouldn't go above and beyond if you cannot, like, you, you, you shouldn't accept yourself to make it. But if you if, if you can afford it, if you uh, think of it as like a one in a lifetime thing, it is totally worth it. All right. Well, thank you once again very, very much for your time here today. I really, really appreciate having you on here. And uh, we hope to have you back again very, very soon. Thank you for having me. No problem. You have a good rest of your day. Likewise. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, so let's talk about a trailer that we got this week for a can title. Uh, we got the trailer for Memoria starring Tilda Swinton. This is going to be released by Neon. Uh, let's take a look at the trailer here for the Tide film to win the jury prize at this year's festival. It's, um, it's, it's like a rumble from the core of the earth. And, and then, then it shrinks.
approximately 6,000 years old. Oh. Yes. Drilled into her head to release bad spirits. giving me anything that I would want from a trailer for a new Taijo movie. Mystery, lots of long static shots, yes. interesting sound design, and Tilda! I was about to say if you skip her. <laughs> the sound design in particular for this trailer was really, really cool and something that really hooked me instantly, especially uh, these uh, static, beautifully composed shots. Obviously, Tilda is a highlight, like you mentioned before. I am very aware, especially after having seen Uncle Boon Me, who can recall his past lives, I, I am very aware of it. This filmmaker's sense of pacing is not is not for me. I, I, I know this. So I'm going in with a bit of hesitation, knowing full well that I'm probably not going to vibe with the 136 minute runtime of this movie, but I am still allowing myself to be open to uh, what it has in store for me. I was watching a um, TikTok the other day because uh, I'm cool with the kids these days. <laughs> and um, <laughs> there was just, I don't even remember anything of the TikTok except some man kept shouting, What is going on? What is going on? That's what I felt like in this trailer. Like, what is going on? What is this? <laughs> Like, what is this woman experiencing? What are these, like, sounds, these booms, bangs, whatever it may be? Seriously, what is going on, Tilda? You have until the end of the year to respond and for me to <laughs> understand. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of getting vibes of the type of actually horror movies that specifically A24 puts out. Like, I, this felt kind of like it comes at night, which... Hopefully that's uh, not a you know foreboding of what it's actually going to be like. If the, that would be the indication. But I'm I'm really curious about this movie. I mean, especially like you said, those long static shots. I was really just unnerved by them in a way that I was surprised by for a trailer. And it really doesn't reveal much about what this movie is actually about, which to me I think is what more trailers should be doing. Sell the yes. atmosphere, sell the tone, sell the things that will get people interested, but we don't need to know like exactly what it's about. And this is what it did. I am incredibly intrigued about this movie now, and I'm glad that I don't really even know what it's about. And that's just fine. We don't have a release date yet for this movie, but we know it's going to be distributed by Neon, set to come out later on this year. I suspect that it will make another stop or two at one or two of the fall film festivals along the way before its release. Uh, but for a film that we will be seeing pretty soon, September 17th uh, from Focus Features, this also had its premiere at the Cannes Film Festival this year, is Blue Bio, which is written, directed, and starring Justin Chan, which um, I don't know if you guys saw uh, his previous film, uh, Miss Purple, uh, that he directed. Uh, that was a film that premiered at the 2019 uh, uh, Sundance Film Festival. Uh, he's shown up a couple of times as an actor in quite a few movies, and I know that 
On the popularity scale, uh, most people will recognize him from the Twilight movies as Eric Yorkie, but uh, here he is uh, getting a chance to write, direct, and star in a movie, also co-starring Alicia Vikander. Let's take a look at the trailer for this one. What time is it? It's early. I got Jesse fed. I'll get her to school. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. got it. Okay. Antonio LeBlanc. How you get a last name like that? Uh, I was adopted. Is that what you wear today? Yeah, why? Oh, nothing. It's a good choice. Come on, let's go. Where are you from? Uh, I'm from about an hour north of Baton Rouge. One by one, we build an empire. Where are you from? Like, born. Uh, I was born in Korea. I got this baby on the way. I'm just looking for another job. Kathy? Hey, where are you going? What's where going on here? Hey, this is not your kid. Let's go. Hey, did I say My you baby. can leave? Stop. I'm going to tell you one last time. Okay, that's it. What's wrong with us? Let him go. I posted bail. He should have been out by now. He's not here anymore. Ice took him. What? I just don't understand how they can deport him. I was brought here when I was three. Can't we do something about this? I mean, listen to him, look at him, he's American. ISIS is targeting people like you, adopted or not. I've been here for over 30 years. You also have a criminal record. Come on, what's the hell for? Nah, I usually charge 5,000 to start. Are you getting kicked out? Nah, baby girl. I ain't going nowhere. Yo, Antonio! You know the drill, bro. Go, 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 go! You know I'd go to the moon with you, right? Keep on! I ain't scared. You can depart voluntarily. Or you can stay and appear. But if the judge don't rule in your favor... He can never come back. even my family. I already know that this movie is likely going to destroy me. Um, I, I, I already kind of started getting, getting like really teary-eyed when I watched this trailer. Um, I really love Alicia Vikander as an actress, and so I'm excited to kind of see her uh, back after, you know, I haven't seen her in a movie in um, some time. Um, Justin Sean just... I, I don't know. I'm ready to just be emotionally distraught after watching this movie. Yeah, I feel like Alicia Vikander, it, it's very interesting to me because she wins the Oscar for the Danish girl, has her breakout role in Ex Machina in 2015. And then, you know, she's uh, the following year in Jason Bourne, The Light Between Oceans. And, you know, we're thinking that, OK, she's going to be like kind of a mainstay. And it's highly bizarre to me that she stars in Tomb Raider. Uh, even last year, she was in The Glorias. And she it's not like she hasn't gone anywhere or anything like that, but nothing that she has done has, I think, like really caught on to the promise uh, that her career like once had before. Uh, it's very odd. It just it just doesn't feel like it's living up to the lofty expectations that we unfairly uh, thrusted upon her in 2015 here. But I'm happy to see her in a smaller scale film such as this and. I'm I'm ready to have a weepy. I, I I I like a good cry every now and then. 
But the reactions out of the festival for this one uh, definitely were some of the more mixed that I saw. And uh, I, I saw a lot of people saying that this movie makes some storytelling decisions that really angered uh, some some of the folks there. So I'm curious to know what those are, because I think otherwise this is a really good trailer in terms of selling, uh, you know, uh, uh, just a, a drama, you know? What it seemed to be to me was that it really embraced the melodramatic aspects of its story towards the end. And I feel like that was what the main complaint I heard from Khan was. And this trailer definitely sells the melodrama, which, you know, Ain't nothing wrong with melodrama if it's done well. Yeah, and I, this I'm sure is not a controversial take, but I find in a long list of cruelties, the American immigration and specifically deportation process to be one of the cruelest things about our country. So if this film is going to be, you know, quote unquote melodramatic tackling that subject, I think that's maybe appropriate because it's a horrifying thing to deal with. So I'm kind of ready for that. I will also add that Alicia Vikander has another Tomb Raider movie coming out that I was not aware of. So uh, there's that. <laughs> I also had no idea that Emery Cohen was in this movie, too. Mm. Yeah, Mark O'Brien is also in it. But ultimately, I think for myself, other than Alicia Vikander being a part of it and you know possibly uh, turning in a, a decent enough performance from... Because I'm, I'm trying to think, like, I guess the last time I thought that I was like impressed by her was Life Between Oceans, I suppose. Yeah, I like that one as yeah. well. It just feels like it's been so long since I've seen her give uh, a performance, you know, worthy of, like I said, us giving her an Oscar so early on in her career like that. So I'm hoping that she could deliver the goods with this one. But Justin Chan is the one that I'm mostly keeping an eye on here, like I said, because his name is just all over this movie. Uh, let's move over now to the polls, uh, where we'll finish up our conversation here on the 2021 Cannes Film Festival by asking everyone this week's poll question, which film... From 2021 can, are you most looking forward to seeing? I know that every week we're talking about how we're excited to see this, excited to see that, et cetera, et cetera. We've allowed people to choose up to four titles. So, Josh, gun to the head. Four movies. Which ones are the ones from this year's film festival that you are just dying to see? Well, obviously, the list has more than just four. <laughs> that That's a given. And since there's a lot of stuff that are pretty obvious, um, there's definitely some things that I do still really want to see that haven't gotten, I think, a ton of buzzes, some other stuff. Um, I mean, Drive My Car did win something, but, you know, it wasn't like it didn't win the palm or anything. But I think like that's something that I'm really fascinated by. And I actually am very interested in checking that out. Uh, I do still want to see uh, Red Rocket, which again was a title that i know we were kind of anticipating might win something and that it didn't deliver on that front but sean baker's a filmmaker that i am not as high on as other people are but i still find him to be so fascinating in terms of his aesthetics and i'm very interested in that um petrov's flu was another one that i heard a lot of good word on and you know it didn't win anything at the festival either but i was so fascinated by it and i really am really am interested in that and given our very expansive animated field that seems to be happening right now, Bell was another one that oh, yeah. uh, showed up on my radar. And I'm very intrigued to see that and seeing how like so much more interesting our animated feature race can get this year. Cody Derricks. So, yeah, like Josh said, there's a lot of obvious titles. You know, French Dispatch, I will be there opening night. Don't worry, I'll see it. But <laughs> I think 
after Yang's reception, I was already excited for that movie, but um, the kind of, you know, enamorous response it got combined with the fact that I found Columbus just um, so indicative of a, a talent just like waiting to, you know, further his career. So I'm really excited for that one. And of course, I have to give it up to my nuns and Benedetta. I mean, that that on paper is just absolutely <laughs> my shit. Um, and I'm such a fan of Paul Verhoeven in general that I will I'll be there for opening night too for that one. Dan? Um, yeah, like everything that everyone else said, like, obviously, I want to see Titane. I have wanted to see that ever since the trailer dropped, as well as Memoria, as well as the French Dispatch. But yeah, after Yang was the one that really sort of stood out with the reviews being uh, not something that was on my radar before that now it really is. And also the reviews that the worst person in the world got really made me a lot more interested in seeing that one as well. And I'm really curious about compartment number six since it tied for the Grand Prix. Yeah. Yeah, Scott Feinberg's definitely been championing that one as well as a possible uh, international feature contender too. So definitely one to keep an eye out for. Emma? Um, Well, everything that everybody has already said, absolutely my nuns in Benedetta and and definitely the French Dispatch and uh, Titan. Um, I saw that there was a lot of love for Where is Anne Frank? Um, So I am also... Uh, interested to see what that film is, you know, about and um, hopefully share that love too. But really, we've had a lot of great titles come out of this film festival. So uh, we will hopefully be fed well throughout the rest of this year. And I will say Titan, worst person in the world after Yang and Red Rocket for me. Can't wait. Cannot wait. Head on over to the polls page, nextbestpicture.com. Cast a vote there for which film from this year's Cannes Film Festival you are most looking forward to. And now for last week's poll, we asked everyone which is their favorite Palm d'Or winner of all time. Lots of titles to choose from. Once again, we told people that they could choose up to seven. Dan Baer, favorite Palm winner of all time. And unfortunately, Tatane is not eligible for this poll because we asked it before the award was given out this week. But well, and also we haven't seen it. Yeah, yet. there's also that. <laughs> <laughs> um, unless you were at Khan, you haven't seen it yet. Oh, Lord, I hate this question. It is so, 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 so hard. But if forced to choose, I, I have had a decades long love affair with the Umbrellas of Sherborg. Nice. Nice. Emma? Uh, I remember like going all over the board when I was uh, filling out this questionnaire. And of course, I'm blanking a little bit in terms of everything that I picked. Um, But I think that Parasite is still remains on top for me. Josh? Yeah, there's a lot of potential answers I could go with. But if forced to pick one, I think I'm actually going to say Barton Fink. Cody? Oh, Barton Fink. I love that answer. Barton Fink definitely got one of my seven votes as, you know, the typical ones, Parasite, etc. Um, but I was happy. I want to highlight I got I threw a vote towards Black Orpheus, the 1959 winner, which oh, yeah. I saw a few years ago in a repertory yes! reading. And it just so really good. blew me away. Yeah, such an incredible use of music and the cinematography is unbelievable. So definitely check that one out if you haven't. Uh, and I got to go with my second favorite film of all time, Apocalypse Now. Let's take a look and see what the community voted on here. 
Okay, and number 10, we have The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Yay! I'm very, very, very happy to see that cracked at 10. Number nine is The Piano. Obviously, yeah. Mm-hmm. Number eight is The Third Man. That's really good, too. Number seven, Paris, Texas. Mm. Six, All That Jazz. Yeah, I feel like we're going to see a lot of Oscar favorite crossover yeah. here. <laughs> it's hard to deny All That Jazz. Exactly. Five, you're not wrong, Cody, The Tree of Life. Yep. Four, Apocalypse Now. Three, Taxi Driver. You're talking to me. Two, Pulp Fiction. And one, as predicted on last week's show, Parasite. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. It was always going to be either that or Pulp Fiction. Bias. I love that Josh was just like, this is a fun poll, Matt, but Parasite's going to win next week. <laughs> <laughs> it was obvious it was going to win. <laughs> But even with recency bias, I can see like 20, 30 years down the line, it's still topping a lot of lists for this uh, this type oh, of parasite. Poll. Yeah. yeah, everything. And now we're going to talk about our final trailer for this week. It is the animated documentary film Flea, which premiered at the 2021 Sundance Film Festival and is going to be released by Neon later on this year. Let's take a look and give some thoughts. Så hvis du ligesom lukker øjnene nu ja. og prøver at trække vejret sådan dybt ind. Hvad betyder ordet hjem for dig? Hjem er noget, som er trygt. Kabul, les attaques des Mujahideen, repris. Har du nogensinde fortalt din livsidrøj før? I, who did y'all see who that one quote was from? No, Jesus. <laughs> At the end there. Yeah. Kind of familiar. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it, you may have noticed it also being the uh, only quote on the poster. I don't know if you guys saw yeah. that. Oh, that's a pretty good get for that person. <laughs> yeah. He's not worthy. Um, (laughs) For those of you who have not seen this movie yet, um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts uh, first. This looks like it is going to tell a story that is going to have a lot of resonance that is really going to um, emotionally connect. I don't know how I feel about this animation style 
for the length of a full feature. Okay. I wasn't sure either when I watched this film, um, but I loved it. It, I thought it really, really worked well. I thought it was beautiful. The animation style, gorgeous. And, um, not one that I feel like I've seen a lot. Um, and yeah, it, it really is such an impactful film and one, I think it was my favorite of, um, Sundance this year. So very excited for a lot of uh, people to finally get to see this. As much as I love the neon endorsement uh, for Next Best Picture all over the marketing of this movie, I do have to concede it was my second favorite of the festival, not my first. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I I truly, truly loved this movie. Um, I... It, it had such an emotional impact on me while watching it. I know uh, for Cody, I know you had a different reaction to it, uh, but uh, you you would still say it's pretty good, right? Yeah, I think it's fine. I, you know, Dan, what you said about the animation style for a full feature, you're exactly right. I found the style kind of off-putting and almost like dizzying. I also in general found the movie really kept me at a distance. I did not really connect to it in the way that I thought I would. I mean, it's obviously a captivating and powerful story, but I think probably intentionally it keeps you at a little bit of a distance, which I think is supposed to, you know, reflect the uh, damaged perspective of our protagonist. But something about that just, I don't know. I, I, I had a little bit of trouble with this one and I was kind of surprised to see the, you know, unanimous praise personally. Uh, that being said, it's, it's still a good movie. Um, and remember what I said before about our immigration process, like just being horrifying. Well, that resentment for me just translates around the globe. And this movie definitely plays into that. I just, you know, absolutely fuck borders. Who cares? Yeah, I do think that there is some kind of emotional distance with the material, but I think some of that is intentional because they're trying to like actually hide some identities of people oh, abs- in the story. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's that's part of the reason. And I, I don't begrudge them that and I don't think there's a way around that, but I don't know. Something about it didn't quite thread the needle for me. I, I can understand that, but I do think that the kind of intentions that they're getting at with the themes of yeah the separation and the trauma that these characters do go through i still found that to be really impactful and even though i don't think it's a perfect movie i do think that there are some flaws in it i think that the overall storytelling is pretty strong to me and the kind of emotions that it is going for i found to be very effective and for my fellow immigrants out there we're gonna be crying a lot because very very impactful for everyone's shared experiences um obviously this man's story stands alone and it's his story um but there's just a lot of feelings that a lot of us can really relate to and just and no we know these some of these situations and yeah it's beautiful it's i'm excited to just see what more people think neon has acknowledged to me that they believe that this movie has the goods to compete in all of the feature film categories at this upcoming award season. So we're looking at a potential animated feature contender, international feature contender, documentary feature contender. And if all three of those pan out, then yeah, they they think they've got the goods to make it into the 10 for best picture as well, which would be quite an unprecedented historical achievement for any movie to obtain first first time ever and i mean even if they don't get all three of those even if they got just two of them um 
the fact that this could potentially be in a Best Picture lineup, it would be the first documentary to ever be nominated for Best Picture. So exciting and wild that that's just never happened. <laughs> yeah, also it would be the first non-Disney animated feature. Yep. Riz Ahmed and Nikolai Kostawaldo are serving as executive producers. They will be lending uh, their voices uh, to narrate um, an English-language version of the film, which will be coming out uh, later on this year. And we don't have a release date as of yet, but I do have it on good word that it is going to uh, play again at the Fall Film Festivals to reignite some buzz as well. So be on the lookout for this one for sure. All right. And now let's end it this week with questions from the fans. Let's see what the MVP film community had to ask us this week. Hey, everyone. I'm Aaron. And I'm Patrick. And together we host the Feelin' Film Podcast a show that focuses more on the emotional takeaway from a movie experience rather than its technical merit. Yes, sir. Talking about what we love about film and focusing less on the critical side of things makes for a very entertaining and enjoyable discussion. New episodes drop every Monday morning, and you can catch them on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many other podcasting networks. You can also find out more about the show at feelinfilm.com. In the meantime, as we say on the show, stay positive. And keep feeling film. The underscore film underscore maniac, despite Tatane winning the Palme d'Or, do you think that France will do what they usually do and submit the wrong film into the best international feature film category? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's France. They always have a plethora of options. So you never know. I think Tatan definitely doesn't feel like something that they would submit for the Oscars. but the Oscar body is changing and maybe France will uh, notice that and try to play along. Based on the subject matter that I've heard is in this movie though, Dan, I think that even if they submit it, I can't see it getting nominated. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I would be shocked, honestly, if France selected it, that would seem very atypical of what they normally pick to represent their country. So, I mean, this is a big spotlight on it, but uh, yeah, I would be very surprised if this is the official selection. Very atypical. You're right, Josh. Dan, I wonder if this question was inspired by our three-hour-long epic movie watching that we did the other day. Uh, this one comes from Home Dance Pod. We we recently watched both epic-length films, Sentintago and The Human Condition. What are some of the longest films you have ever seen, and did you think they were worth the time invested? Oh, my um okay you know the the longest movie that i watch regularly and never even notice that it's that long is the 10 commandments yeah yeah that is a long ass movie that is just like super ridiculously over the top entertaining for nearly all of its runtime <laughs> uh the longest movie i've ever seen was cleopatra um we oh lord my uh, local art house theater was doing a repertory 70 millimeter screening um, and they uh, the studio, <laughs> I don't know if it was accidentally or not, shipped us a extended cut. So it was, Jesus. you know, it's normally oh. three and a half hours. I believe this was over four. And yeah. oh, yeah. my God, it was not worth it. Holy oh. shit. That movie wow. is a disaster at any length. But, you know, stretched out over that many hours. It's just oof, not a good time. Yeah, literally almost killed an entire studio. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> no, maybe they deserved it. It was that bad. <laughs> yeah, well, it was hard anyway. So they, 
their time was not long for this earth. <laughs> um, I got to say, like, everyone knows I'm going to say Lord of the Rings at some point, so I won't, like, you know, be repetitive in that regard. But, like, you know, Return to King, the extended edition is over four hours long. I do want to just say. Uh, but I will say that one movie that nearly approaches four hours long is Lawrence of Arabia. And that's one that I feel like I can watch over and over and over and over again. And it never gets boring for me every single time that I've uh, ever watched it. And in a funny way too, Dan, you said the 10 commandments before. Um, I, I kind of have to laugh a little bit because I watched that movie on an annual basis on television with my parents <laughs> as a kid. Same. And I wonder if deep down, if like that experience of having to watch that every single year kind of conditioned me to be OK with longer length films. I mean, maybe. I mean, when they show that on TV, it's four hours or four and a half hour commitment, I think. Mm-hmm. And I mean, granted, The movie is not quite that long, but it's really damn close. (laughs) I watched Gone with the Wind um, last year, two years ago, whenever it was kind of to just kind of like cross it off the list. It does start to drag on. And obviously um, portrayals of slavery also make me not want to watch it again. I don't think anybody is that enthusiastic as it's been um, criticized, rightfully so. Another movie that uh, I watched, The Irishman. I will never watch that movie again. No. Not worth my not worth my time. I'm sorry. <laughs> my dad, who loves those kinds of movies, like he's a big De Niro and Al Pacino guy. Um, when I got them Netflix for, you know, like when I went home to visit them, I bought them a new TV that came with like Netflix and Hulu. My dad watched it over like three days and his critique was, it was fine. It was too long, though. And I said, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, speaking of Lawrence of Arabia, at the same film festival where I saw Cleopatra, they also screened Lawrence in 70 millimeter, which is, you know, an amazing experience. But it was in the the height of summer and the air conditioning broke. So oh, no. <laughs> watching the movie, it was like 40X Lawrence of Arabia. It was like truly crawling through the desert. <laughs> Very immersive. And I know that this is like, kind of a quasi television, but I do want to give a shout out to Fanny and Alexander, which gets close to five and a half hours long. Uh, that was a very, very memorable viewing experience for me. And I, I, I'm shocked that no one here has mentioned Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Of course. Of Absolutely course, nobody would mention it here. Not. <laughs> uh, I do want to mention this is not the longest movie that I have seen, but it's one that I was surprisingly like into during most of its runtime, which I didn't really expect, which speaking of David Lean, I think that would be a very easy go to for this question. Uh, Dr. Zhivago uh, was a movie that I kind of looked at that runtime and looked at the subject matter and thought that this was going to be kind of a daunting task but i actually ended up like really liking that movie and i wouldn't say that the like three hours and 15 minutes flew by but it went quicker than i expected it uh ian balakalak asks any clue on what movies could come to tiff since more of their lineup will be announced this week Ooh. I, I would love to answer this question right now. Yeah, that's a question for you, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, we already know that movies like Kenneth Branagh's Be- uh, Belfast, Last Night in Soho from Edgar Wright, uh, Dune from Denis Villeneuve, and a few others uh, have already been announced uh, to be premiering at uh, or playing at TIFF. Uh, but in terms of other movies I expect 
this week. Uh, one of the ones, and y- you all might laugh at me for saying this, but one of the ones that I am expecting to be announced is actually Dear Evan Hansen. Mm. That would not surprise me at all. Yeah, it feels very audience awardsy. Right? I could see a world where King Richard, uh, starring Will Smith, appear, uh, premieres at TIFF. Mm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, talk about audience award. The Netflix uh, Black Cowboy film, The Heart of Day Fall, I think is ripe for a TIFF premiere. I feel like that audience Ooh. would go crazy for that movie. We've also been talking a lot about the like potential midnight screenings mm-hmm. at TIFF because it's sometimes difficult. Like They do that and they can get a lot of weirder things that you wouldn't expect to play at a film festival, but they'll play at the midnight uh, there like I think you had mentioned that may, the possibility of antlers doing that yeah and that feels like something good to sort of reignite interest in that movie since it's been what like two years since it was supposed to come out basically yeah <laughs> um I, I I could definitely see something like that happening um I would be a little shocked to see something like no time to die show up at tiff. Uh, but I would not rule out Halloween Kills because uh, the previous Halloween did premiere at TIFF in the midnight section. So that's something I could also see uh, happening as well. I mean, obviously, the power of the dog from Jane Campion is definitely going to be there. I think that's going to play at all of the film festivals. I can't help but feel like the whale is something that's set to go to to probably tell you ride more so than TIFF. But yeah, anyway. From RMR Cyborg Mike, which film will be the first movie to cross $100 million in the opening weekend post-COVID? I feel like the James Bond movie will probably be a good contender. Everybody loves James Bond. See, I think that's going to fall short of 100, but the one I like can say without any hesitation is definitely going to cross 100 million is Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, exactly. Mm, right. I was going to yeah. say, whatever the hell the next Marvel is, I don't yeah. remember. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that too. <laughs> yeah. Isaiah Washington, just for fun, if there was a stunt category at the Oscars during the decade of the 2000s, what do you think would have been the winner for each year? Oh, Lord, give me a second. <laughs> yeah. If there was a stunt category in the year 2000. Gladiator. Yeah. Done. Yep. Yeah. That makes the most sense. I agree with that. Uh, 2001. Black Hawk Down. Either that or Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the... I feel like Lord of the Rings could have swept, honestly, all three years. Yeah, like they did with Vigil. Probably, first. yeah. Yeah. Not Fast and the Furious, the first one. <laughs> I'm sorry, no. <laughs> 2004. Uh, Spider-Man 2. Yeah, I guess so. Probably. Yep. Oh, I'd be pushing for collateral. 2005? You know what? I want to rescind my 2000s. They may have given that to Crouching Tiger over Gladiator. Oh. Maybe. I just Maybe. thought of that. Maybe. Yeah. That would have been a tight yeah, race a in that point. regard. Yeah. Yeah, very tight. Uh, 2005, I think maybe uh, maybe Batman Begins. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I know King Kong is there, but Batman Begins, I think, makes maybe just a little bit more sense. I could also see voters just being like, oh, history of violence must have stunts based on the name. Give it that much. (laughs) (laughs) SAG Awards? (laughs) 2006. Uh, I'm going to try to put my bias aside, but I am right now. (laughs) With strong competition from children and men. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think Josh is on the money with that one. Uh, The stunts in that are pretty remarkable. It's one Oscar nomination. Wow. <laughs> 2007. Probably uh, 
Born, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, Born Ultimatum, uh, yeah. Three Oscar wins, absolutely. 2008, The Dark Knight. Yeah, I would yeah, say it's probably, it would be yeah. The Dark Knight. 2009? I just want to say, every single year that I've typed in, there is a Fast and Furious movie coming out. <laughs> Why are there so many damn Fast and Furious movies? <laughs> 2009 is interesting. I think they just give it to the Her Locker in the way that they did with, you know, all the other awards it won, which I mostly think it deserved, but like that movie kind of just swept based on what it was. I don't know. I'm not that convinced. You thinking Avatar? No, I'm not thinking that either. Actually, I'm thinking some. I'm thinking it could be something else in, entirely. You think looking at tw- 2012, like, the disaster film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe Star Trek. <sighs> Inglorious Bastards. You know, maybe Star Trek would make the most sense. Yeah, probably. Probably that. I mean, I still think Hurt Locker makes a lot of sense to me, yeah. too, just because yeah. that does seem like something we're giving it best picture. It's kind of a tech thing. There's bombs going off. That's like stunt work, right? Yeah, let's just do that. What, what are you, the SAG Awards for Stunt Ensemble? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it here for this week on episode 252 of the Next Best Picture podcast. Emma Sassik, tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you on the Internet. I am on Twitter at Emma underscore Sasek and Letterbox at Emma Sasek. Dan Bear. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dance and Dan on Film. Josh Parham. I am on Twitter at J.R. Parham. And Cody Derricks. I'm on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram at CodyMonster91. And you can find me in Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 252 of the Next Best Picture podcast. We will be back next week to discuss the films that were announced for the 2021 Toronto International Film Festival lineup. Can't wait to get that list this week. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And if you want to leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars, let us know. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. You know, Matt, sometimes when you do the outro, I can hear the music in my head. <laughs> hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.